We have four scripture texts we want to read today. The first one is from Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 14. Usually we just read three texts, but since we have such a full schedule today, we're going to go over anyway. I said, why not read four? (laughs) Right? If you have a half dozen, you might as well have a dozen. That's what I always say. So, uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 14. We're reading this because of baptisms today, but this is something each of us need to hear a good word for us. So, so listen here to God's word. What then? If some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God. Well, I'm in the wrong place. Hold on. 6, 3 through 14. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts, but go and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not be master over you, but you are not under law, for you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. Then it's actually chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians where I We want to turn next, verses 11 through 15. This has a lot to do, or it's an ancillary text to our main text from Revelation 21 this morning about jewels and how jewels are important for us to understand. So again, listen here to God's Word. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. And if any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire." And then Hebrews chapter 11. We want to read about Abraham, the other patriarchs, what they were pressing on for. These are great verses, verses 8 through 10 and then verses 15 and 16. Again, listen here to God's word. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. 
and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Verses 15 and 16. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Amen. And then our main text today is from Revelation chapter 21. We're going to read verses 9 through 27. We said 15 through 27, but again, if you do a half dozen, you might as well do a dozen, right? It all fits together. It's a picture of the city of God. Listen here to the word of God. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me saying, come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So you're looking for this woman to come down, right? Huh. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates were twelve angels, and the names were written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square and its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with a rod 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its wall 72 yards according to human measurements, which are also angels' measurements. The material of the wall was jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed." And they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, and nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's word, which we've read. Well, Father, we come in Jesus' name again today. We thank you so much for the joy, 
of your countenance being upon us. It's your presence that brings joy, brings life, brings hope. So thank you, Lord God, for your presence and for your peace, for your good work in us. We pray that will continue today through the preached word, the heard word, by your spirit. We know that apart from the working of your Holy Spirit, all that we do is naught. So we give ourselves in this time to you, ask your blessing upon it, in the name of Jesus, our Savior and the Lord of all. Amen. Well, have we learned anything as we've marched through Revelation? We started preaching through and marching through Revelation on September the 22nd, 19, no, 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 2019. 1919, my word, that's at the end of the First World War. 2019, not quite a year ago. Uh, I hope we've learned this. Uh, let's have this first projection up there. We know that the book of Revelation is not that, right? That is a picture. You all know what it's a picture of? That's a picture of the White House in Washington, D.C. Rather, instead, the book of Revelation is filled with this. Come on, there we go. What's that? That's a representation. That's actually the Louisiana Monument uh, out of Gettysburg. But you can't decipher what that really is. It's a representation, right? If you, if you just go and try to describe what's there, you won't get it unless you understand what it represents. And so the book of Revelation, if we've learned anything, is a representation. We shouldn't look at like we're looking at a picture book with exact photographs. If you insist on the former, if you insist on that, you'll end up with all sorts of ideas and misconceptions and who knows what. Now, our preferred translation, the one that we use here, is the New American Standard Bible. Uh, it does bad with today's text, just between you and me. We're going to talk about it. It does bad because it, it makes that error, that fundamental error that I just pointed out here, it messes it up. So, we're going to look at verses 16 and 17 to begin with. Uh, verse 16... <coughs> Excuse me. It says that uh, he has this rod and measured, and it's 1,500 miles in its length, width, height, and they're all equal. 1,500 miles. Well, now, you and I know, we can agree on that 12 and 15 are not the same. Correct? In terms of what they represent, of how they're written, they, they don't look the same. So here, here we are. Look at that. There's 12, dual deca. That's 12. Uh, I don't have my, my usual sheet here. Uh, Decapenta, should say Decapenta, something like that. That's 15. Now you see the Deca in there, that's 10. And you see the duals, two more, 12, and then Penta, Pentagon, five, is 15. So they don't look alike in the Greek either. You agree with that? You do. So here's what the actual Greek text says. What's it say? Voila. <laughs> Dual Deca. Dual Deca then has the word for thousand. We get our word kilia, kiliaism from that. Uh, that's what the Greek in verse 16, it's 12,000. There's no 15 there in the text. That's why I said our translators did a very bad job with this text. Uh, because they tried to take it too literally. They didn't see what it represented. Okay? It represents the fullness of God's people, of all what God has done. Uh, they do the same thing in verse 17. So let's project that up. We got that. There it is. Uh, 
what you see on the top there is 144. Those are the Greek words, 144. Our text says 72. You can't find a 72 in there. Now, we can find a 70 and a 2 in other places in the Bible, but not there. And so they made this fundamental error. And so what we, we end up doing is we think that, well, you know, the city of God is, is uh, this big and no bigger. Don't do that. That's wrong. Just so you're aware of that. It's, it, that's, not what, that's not what the Lord is showing. I've got to hurry here. That's not what the Lord is showing John and us at all. 12,000. The numbers are important. 12,000. That's 12, the number of what God uses for his people, right? 12, uh, 12 tribes, 12 apostles, and a thousand means many, fullness, all, all that's there. 12,000. That's what it stands for. All the people of God will be in here. And then when he talks about his walls, 144, 144 is 12 times 12. Right? That's God's... I think that's the Old Testament, that's the New Testament, all the, all the church since the, then. All put together, it's 144. We did this, we have a lot of visitors here today, so I pardon for you guys who've been here a while to, to go through this. Uh, the 144,000 people we've identified as the fullness of the people of God as well. So we need to understand that. Uh, the numbers are the important part, not the stadia or the cubits or whatever they call it. It's the numbers. Now. It's interesting, verse 17 says, uh, 72 yards according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. Now, does that make sense to you, the way they translated that? It does not. Well, it may have, but it shouldn't. How's that? Because angels don't measure the same way we do. We don't know how they measure. I don't know how they measure. If you know how angels measure, well, come talk to me after the service. I'd be glad to learn. What this means is that whether you're measuring by angels or by men, it means they're full. 144. It's complete. 12 times 12. That's what, whether you measure it in, in inches, in cubits, in, in whatever measurement you have, it's full. Okay? All right. Now, uh, I could go on about some more numbers, but we won't do that because we don't have time. So that's this. So what is it that's represented in today's text that we read? The city of God. Heaven. That's what's represented. Heaven. Uh, there are 12 gates from the 12 tribes of Israel. Three in each direction. And it simply means that it's open to all. Every, no matter which direction you're coming from, it's open to all. The gates are there. Now each is a pearl. Each gate is a pearl. What's that? Do you expect, you know, we, we, I'm going to go to the pearly gates. You know, that's a colloquialism. Well, I don't know that there'll be pearl, but pearl is there to represent beauty and value. The entrance into heaven is beautiful, and it's the most valuable thing there is. That's why it's per pearls, precious pearls. Think of Jesus' parable, a man who sold everything to buy the pearl of great price. Right? Yeah. That's what that means. Now it says 12 foundation stones had the names of the apostles on those, the 12 apostles. Paul's name wasn't on there, by the way. Some people think he's the 12th apostle, the, the guys in Acts 2 got it messed up. They didn't get it messed up, my goodness. 
You think they're going to overpower what God wants to do? Really? Come on. But those 12 apostles stand for all of us who've heard their word. The same word that they heard, the same gospel they heard comes down to us, and it's us as well. Know that it's apostles of the Lamb. We need to note that. Don't just say apostles. Apostles of the Lamb. He's the cornerstone. Without him, the rest have no meaning at all. Our text from 1 Corinthians 3 today emphasizes that. Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. No man can lay any other foundation than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. For our guys who are being baptized today, they're being baptized because Christ has come into their lives. They've received him and acknowledged that indeed he's the one who takes away my sin. It's Christ who does that. He's the cornerstone for all of Christian living. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. On Christ alone we stand. Right? On him. If he's not in, in place, if he's not the cornerstone, it all crumbles and falls and goes away. That's, you can elaborate on that for an hour or two. Now, Christians have new life when Christ enters us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, true faith consists not only of knowing what you know up here about the Bible and all that, but it's also, a, it's, a, it's a wholehearted trust which the Holy Spirit creates in us through the words of the gospel that not only to you guys, but to me. He's given forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, which adds up to true faith, salvation. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? That's a good way to describe it. There are a number of people here who know where I got that. But we're still living. Uh, We're living, but sin is no longer master over us. You need to know that. I need to know that. Sin is no longer master. I have to battle with it. I have to fight it, but it's no longer master. It's been broken because Christ has come in. The Holy Spirit empowers me. He wants to lead and guide me. I need to yield him, all that. But sin is no longer master over me. Christ is master. Okay? And those who are baptized into Christ are baptized into his death and into his life. Now, having said that, John and all his readers or hearers get a taste or a vision of heaven. This is done via a gold measuring rod. That gold measuring rod means it's by God's valuations. You know, I should have brought a prop up here, but I didn't. Uh, here we are. Did you know this is exactly 12 inches long? And all, all the rulers in the world have to measure next to this one because this is the exact one where it's 12 inches long. You know, there's some place in the Office of Weights and Measures where they have something like that. They say, here's exactly what 12 inches is, here's what an ounce is, here's what a pound is. They have that somewhere. Here, that gold measuring rod, that's God. God's the one who sets the standards for everything. It's His measurement that counts. I don't care what your measure is, I don't care what my measure is. What's His measure? That's how things will be evaluated. That's what that golden measuring rod means. And that measuring, you know, all through the Bible, you, you know, uh, I, I often say, uh, I'll go down this one rabbit trail. History is a history of, of drawing lines in the sand. We can go this far, no farther. It's drawing divisions. And that's called measurement. And to measure something is to know what it is, to be able to define it. 
I'm going to take the measure of Brian Ratcliffe. What's that say? I'm going to see what he's really like. Go see what's really there. Okay? That's what a measure is, is to, to find out what really is the substance there. And so the gold measuring rod is God's measure. We'll all be measured next to that. But when he measures this, what do we find? We find perfection. It's not the size that's there. It's not, it's 12,000. It's the perfection that's there. It's the shape. Uh, it's a perfect cube. That is, there's perfect symmetry. It's just as wide, long, and high all the way around. Can you think of any other thing in the scriptures that's like that? Of course you can. And they're going to project it up here where we're going to quote from 1 Kings uh, chapter 6, verse 20, I believe. The inner sanctuary, that is the Holy of Holies, was 20 cubits in length, 20 cubits in width, and 20 cubits in height. And he, that is Solomon, overlaid it with pure gold. The Holy of Holies. Heaven is where we enter into the presence of God completely. It's all perfect there. And so the measurements are meant to reflect the shape to show, to, to conform to what the Holy of Holies is, not something else. You understand? Okay. We're going to trust that you are. <laughs> Likewise, did you notice that Solomon overlaid it all with gold? And so when, when Jesus shows this picture to John, it's all overlaid with gold. Now, we all like to say, well, uh, God shows how much he thinks about gold because he lines the streets of heaven with gold. Well, whether it does that or not, I, don't, I think that's a representation, but we need to see that <clears throat> this is meant to reflect the very presence, the holiness of God, where we are there forever like that. Now, what about all these jewels? They're representations of God's work in the lives of his people. Now, God's work in the lives of his people, the things that they do under him, can be represented in other ways. We saw earlier in Revelation where it was fine linen. But it be jewels, all kinds of ways that, that, that can be represented. But the point is this, they are reflective of God's glory and God's character. Not all that we do will bear up under God's scrutiny. Hello, there's a gold measuring rod. There may be one or two things I've already said today that won't measure up to that golden measuring rod. <coughs> Going to be burned up. Where's Roger Jones? Going to get a good heat treating plant in here. Heat it up high, whoosh, that stuff just disappears. But we pray much will come through that fire. So that's the, the first point. The second point is that God delights in our glorifying Him through the good works. He delights in that. He takes pleasure. You know, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, I'm trying to look around who I can pick on uh, about this. John and Janelle. When your kids do something that's, you're, you're, you're proud of them, right? Even though you can see all the flaws, you can see where they didn't quite do what they should have done. It doesn't quite, you know, but aren't you proud and happy with it? Amen. My wife and I had six kids. I should use Ruthie. You know, we love Ruthie. She thinks it's wonderful. She's not perfect. <laughs> we aren't either. But we delighted her. You know, it's that. That's what those jewels represented. God finds pleasure in that, and it does, in fact, reflect his glory and his character. All right, I'm already 10 minutes over. Uh, now, the title of the sermon this morning is Where the Sun Does Not Shine, Where the Sun Don't Shine. Ordinarily, that's a curse, right? 
<clears throat> stick it where the sun doesn't shine doesn't mean to put it in a good place, right? That's not a good place at all. It's a curse in some ways. But here, the sun doesn't shine because the lamb, remember him? The lamb, the lamb, the foundation, the lamb. Jesus is the lamp. The lamb that becomes the lamp is, is what we've all been looking for. We've all been wanting to get there to that city where the lamb is the lamp. We read about Abraham and the patriarchs today in Hebrews 11. They were looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. That's the city described in Revelation 21. That's the city he was looking for. We all look there. We've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, right? We've tasted and seen the Lord is good, but we've not had fullness of it yet because we're still on this earth. But we long for that. We long for that fullness. And it will be there. Now, this has been in view of God's people all the time. There's a verse in Isaiah chapter 60, uh, verses 19 and 20, which show this. Can you put it up there? Here's a prophecy. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, your, nor will your moon wane. You know, the moon's in a waning phase right now. And it's going to be dark. The sun's going to set today. It's going to be dark. We're going to a place where there is no waning. There is no setting. That's what it says here. Uh, why? For you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be over. We always walk in this life with a bit of a limp. We're wishing that we were completely perfected. Now, this goes against Wesleyan Methodist teaching, but we're, ne we're never completely perfected in this life. We have things to mourn about. Not that that characterizes our life, but we have things we wish were, were better, different, you know? <clears throat> so that's what this was, was picturing and what it was pointing to. Now, it says that <clears throat> this is all representative of our human weakness. It's all gone perfection there. Verse 24. I'm going to look at verse 24. It says, the nations will walk by its light, <clears throat> and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. I've reflected on that verse a little bit. What does that mean? What does that mean? I think it means that every culture has contributions to make. We're multicultural. You know, God's uh, truth and light shines in every culture. He wants to shine in that. There's things that's going to do away with. We can't approve everything in every culture, but every culture will make a contribution this light to, to be a jewel. Think of food. By the way, what this means, there's, there's no forced uniformity. Is that what we all want? We want us all to boom, 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 march in lockstep. Can't do that. <laughs> God has differences. He delights in differences. I don't see, I don't see any twins here today. You guys, none of you even look like the other one. My goodness. Well, there's some family resemblances, but God delights in differences. It says all the nations will walk by our sight and they will bring their glory. Into, and that glory means where they reflect the character and goodness of God, the truth of God. Where their culture reflects that, that's going to be part of the panoply that you see in heaven. <clears throat> think about jewels. Think about Indian cuisine, Thai food, Greek food, German food, even Tex-Mex. They're all right and good. Nothing wrong with either one of them. 
Now, but here's the clue. Verse 27. Nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. Hear that? Nothing there. There's no mourning. There's no darkness. will come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, here's what's referenced, among other things, when it says no one who practices, the word practices is important. You do it with determination. You practice it. Abomination and lying. Lying is the basic, you know, sin that we are prone to. So there's a verse from Proverbs 6. Put, which, put that up here once. Or twice. There we go. <clears throat> here it says, there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. Are you proud and arrogant? That's an abomination to God. You should know that. When you're proud and arrogant. It says right there. It's an abomination to God. A lying tongue. Do you lie? Do you twist the truth? If you do, that's an abomination to God. Hands that shed innocent blood. Yes. It's an abomination to God. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. They just draw them. They wouldn't do that. A false witness who utters lies. There it is again, lying. Here it's under oath. There's a lot of people who can be in big trouble. And one who spreads strife among brothers. This must mean that there are no reporters or lawyers there, right? <laughs> one who spreads strife among brothers. Now, none of those, none of those is the unpardonable sin. I'm sure we have people here today who've done those. All those things are represented among us here. Abominable things which God hates. But the Lamb shed His blood to wash away our sin, to give us new life that we could walk differently. So that we have hope to go where the sun doesn't shine because the sun doesn't need to shine because the lamb is there. Who's there? Those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life. Absolutely essential is that Jesus needs to be at the heart of your life and faith. Without Christ, you're lost. Simple truth. Without Christ, without the Lord Jesus Christ, you're lost. So what do we say? Jim Kenny's not here, but his favorite verse is 1 Corinthians 2.9, which says this. <coughs> Things which eye has not seen, there's no photograph of it, and ear has not heard, we can hear all that, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. That's why we long for that city. That's why we want to go there. That's why we're, we like it here, it's fine, it's here, but this is not our home. We're going yonder, up there. What a day that will be, right? What a day that will be when we get there. Amen.